Welcome to the Be During Life podcast, where we teach life and leadership skills to teens and their parents. We are your hosts, Hudson and Rachel. We have been doing a series the past few weeks on young entrepreneurs. If you haven't listened to the last couple of episodes, I encourage you to go and check them out. Today, we're joined by our special guest, Brennan Agronoff. Brennan started his first company at the age of seven. Then at the age of 13, he started Hoop Swag, a company that makes customized sports socks and other apparel. Within four years, he was making seven figures in sales. In 2017, Baylor named him their Teen Entrepreneur of the Year. Welcome to the podcast, Brennan. Hey, how's it going? Tell us about your first business when you were a kid. Yeah, so my first business, I would probably, my first real business was probably Hoopswag, the company that I started, but I consider, like you guys sort of mentioned, I started selling stuff when I was like seven years old. Um, and so that was anything from like going to garage sales and finding stuff that I could sell for more on eBay um, to like, I sold baseball cards. I would go to like Goodwills um, based in Portland since we have a bunch of Nike stuff in our Goodwills here and I'd sell that more expensive online. So I, I did all this other stuff um, before I started like a real company. Um, I don't know if you classify that as a company, but like for me, they were like mini businesses, I guess. Um, but it was more so just a bunch of like micro lessons, I guess, that I was sort of learning along the way that led me into actually creating the first thing I ended up like calling a company. Are your parents entrepreneurs? Um, my dad did run a agency for a while. Um, and he's, he's been, he's definitely entrepreneurial oriented. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if he's as hardcore into the system as I am. Um, but I certainly got a bit of that from that. And then my mom is like entrepreneurial. I, I would say both of them are entrepreneurial, but they don't necessarily, that doesn't, isn't expressed in like business necessarily. Um, but in, in other ways, like they're both very like, go fix it yourself, do it yourself, um, that, that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time with a, a business aspect, but that hasn't always translated into companies. Do you think anyone can be an entrepreneur if they have persistence and drive? Can creativity be found in all of us and nurtured? Yeah, it's funny. It's a very interesting conversation. The whole like nature versus nurture, are you born with it or can it, can it be taught? Um, I've always sort of stood on the side of that. Yes, it, it's certainly something that can be learned. And at the same time, it's certainly something that people can be born with, right? Same way that like people can be born with more gifted, like athletic ability than someone else. Um, it's the, the same sort of way I think about like entrepreneurship. Um, but with that said, like, I, I think really anyone can learn it because it's nothing that's not like out there. It's just a matter of like working hard and, and constantly creating because everyone has creative vision. It's just a looks different for everyone. Okay, so here is a thought that I've been pondering. Do you think that the more you exercise that creativity muscle, the stronger it becomes? Like you start um, with your business idea and then as you do it, you, you start working and um, your muscle becomes stronger and it becomes more active. Like when we started this business, we didn't have a whole lot of ideas, but the more that we do... I feel like we're always coming up with ideas of things to do. Yeah. Um, in a sense, it's funny because the more you do it, it, it opens more doors that allows like new ideas to come that you wouldn't even, even know were possible. While at the same time, you have to be so careful not to like trap yourself in one sort of world. Like for me, if I were to trap myself in the world of like 
making clothes is sort of the industry that I'm in, like the manufacturing industry. Like it's easy to not get creative outside of that. Um, but at the same time, the deeper you get into a business, the more sort of like opportunities you see for other businesses. Um, so it's kind of like making sure your eyes are always open. Could you tell us a little bit about how you started Hoopswag? Sure. Yeah. So I started Hoopswag when I was 13 years old. Um, it, it started because I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Nike Elite socks. They've got little blocks on the back. Um, but based because because I'm based out of Oregon, all the kids I was going to middle school with started showing up to school wearing these socks since all their parents worked at Nike and they all got samples early and everything. Um, and so at the time, there's these super expensive socks that everyone's wearing for some reason. No one really knows why, but because everyone was wearing them, everybody else was going to wear them. Um, they only had like four basic colors at the time, though. So like white, black, blue and red. And I was the kid that wanted something like more colorful. And so I ended up saving my money up one summer, literally mowing my lawn and then purchased a pair of these that I had found on Instagram that was more colorful somehow for like $40. Um, and I was like in love with these things. All my friends were asking where I got them. And like I played basketball. And so I had a bunch of like friends who played basketball and they were all like, can we get these? Can we get these? And I knew they didn't cost $40, which is what I paid for them, even though they retailed for like 15. I knew someone was making that markup in there. Um, of $25. And so I started to do more research and not necessarily because I even wanted to make money. Like that was great. But at that time, I just wanted a way to get more socks that looked cool that weren't $40. Like that was, I thought it would be cheaper to figure out how to make them on my own than it would be to continue buying them for $40. So I did about six months of research. And, and after that, I found a local guy who was able to make me some samples doing using the technology that we needed to create them. Um, and, and once I had the technology, or not the technology, but once we had gotten the samples, I basically turned around, sold those on eBay um, to prove the concept. And once I had proven the concept, I went ahead and got my own equipment and like set it up in my garage. You didn't set out to start a company. You just saw a problem and were trying to figure out a solution. I see that as a common thread among a lot of uh, business owners. They didn't originally plan to start that company, but they just um, saw a problem and they wanted to figure out how to solve it. And then, and they ended up turning it into a, a whole company. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny. People are just like, so when are you going to like start your next company? I'm like, I don't know. Like uh, whatever the problem you run into, like you end up solving it. And it's not even necessarily on purpose. Like I find this so much that even like we run into problems that are like within like internal company problems now. Um, and you, end up having to create solutions for them that then could be useful to other companies. And those things are businesses in themselves. Do you create all the designs? Um, I do create all the designs. I, I did, I should say, up until about probably six months to a year ago. Um, we brought on a designer who does a lot of them now. But up until then, I had done pretty much all of them. Um, which the ironic part to all of this is I'm actually colorblind. And so I had to get everything checked before I could like ever put it out live just because my colorblindness does not do me any favors. And I would, there were some designs that were just horrible. Um, but I thought they were great. So those never saw the, saw like a website, but, um, I did do all the designs and that's like, I just ended up teaching myself like Photoshop and illustrator and then pretty much making stuff that like I wanted on my own socks. When you started, how much of the work did you do yourself? Did you do the coding and the graphic design and all of that? Yeah, when I started, I mean, I was doing all of it and it wasn't necessarily done well because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, like the graphic design stuff, I pretty much self-taught off of YouTube. 
Um, I taught myself to code basic enough stuff that I could get done what I needed to get done since web developers were really expensive. Um, and, and it's funny because I keep building on those skill sets even today. Like I still genuinely enjoy the code aspect of some of this stuff. Um, but I've just been able to like the farther down the road I've gotten, um, the more resources you get your hands on. But in terms of like starting, I was doing everything by myself. Like the entire process was me for the probably first year, year and a half, two years. Could you tell us why you think it's better to start small? Yeah, it, I I do believe in the whole start small and, and grow a little bit slower because there's now this sort of other side of business that I've been exposed to as I've gotten more into it that I think I was a little bit naive to when I was younger, but that's like the go take funding from someone um, and use their money to like sort of e or exponentially grow it. And that's fine. But the way that I've sort of gone about it is like I did start small. I'm all self-funded. Like I, I haven't had to take outside investor money and it's, it's good because you feel a lot more responsibility in terms of what you're doing. Um, and you just feel like you have a lot more control. Like when you do start small, yeah, you're not going to go make like a ton of money up front, but like the mission oriented side behind it, there's certainly a lot more of, of that that plays into it. Um, and, and just having control on where you want to see it go and, and grow. How do you figure out when and what to do next? That's a good question. Um, and I don't know that I always have an answer to that. Like a lot of it is playing it by ear. Um, but there's certainly stuff that you can plan for. And so you plan for what you can plan for. Like for me, that's like, I know Christmas is going to be big every year. So before Christmas, I know like throughout the rest of the year, I need to generate as many new customers as I can, because that's what's going to end up driving the maximum amount of revenue during Christmas. Um, and so that and then just like observing market trends, right? So like I pay very close attention to what's happening with all of my competitors, what products are they releasing, um, what sort of feedback are they getting and how could we adjust and, and sort of fit into into what the market wants and, and providing something to the market versus like creating something for yourself. So how many employees do you have right now? Currently, um, we carry about 20 part-time year-round that do the manufacturing and then there's probably a team of about 50 part-time people online. Um, my business is a little weird cause we scaled during Christmas. So like just for context, last Christmas, we got up to like 200 in-person manufacturing people and then probably another 200 or so online doing, um, stuff behind the scenes. So wow. Do they do that all on site at your, like at your location? Yes. Yeah, so we've got a warehouse and that's where all the manufacturing gets done. All of the stuff online is done remotely. Um, a lot of that is like stuff that we have to schedule. So like we hire people throughout every time zone just so that it can get done around the clock pretty much. Um, so it's, it's crazy that a sock company requires so much like backend work, but it's, it's cool. So did you learn how to do all of that by just trial and error? Unfortunately? Yeah. I mean, th there's ups and downs to all of this. Um, but a lot of my, my most effective learning method has for sure been trial and error. Like some stuff just doesn't work and you figure that out the hard way by it just completely not failing, whether that's uh, a monetary fail or a sort of just uh, workplace fail. You sort of just figure out how to get through all of it. Talking about failure, so many adults are just so terrified of failing. Um, we went a few years ago, probably about 10 years ago, we decided to build a house and we had no construction experience. And <laughs> we went to a two-day class over in C over near Seattle and, and came home and decided to build our house. Um, but I learned a lot through that process of just like when you mess up, you've got to figure it out because nobody's going to buy a house that's half built and just going through that whole process of just like failing or I wouldn't call it failing, not getting it right, having to do it over trying something else. 
that like totally changed my whole mindset of like, I'm not as afraid to do stuff as I used to be. So as a young person for you to already have figured that out, that's got, have put you, you know, decades ahead of most adults. No, it's exactly what you just described though. Like the whole process of like troubleshooting and then creative problem solving because no one else is going to fix it for you. Um, like I value that skill in itself, just problem solving itself pretty much over any sort of tactical skill that you can, you could come up with. Cause you can't really, it's not something that you can like read out of a textbook. Like that's something you have to learn. Um, and something that like the more you do it, the better you get at it. So it's all, I, I love working with people who are like creative problem solvers just because I feel like, um, it, it's much more like a, a team effort in a sense. Right. What would you say the most important traits are to have a successful business? The most successful traits to have a successful business. Um, I would certainly say like persistence, creativity, um, and and honestly, just like willingness to change because stuff changes all the time. And I, I see it as such like a, not a weak spot, but people's, some people's like Achilles heel is when, like especially in business stuff, you, you can't... Ex- you have no idea what's going to happen. And so you have to be prepared for change. And some people don't deal well with change. So people who can like adapt to change quickly and then improve upon it. I I think those are certainly traits. Um, Talk about the importance of creating and nurturing relationships, whether that be in business, um, just in life in general. What have you learned about that? Yeah. It's funny. The relationship thing, like all these people that you end up meeting and creating relationships with that, like you work day in and day out with, or whether they're business partners or, or even people that you buy business supplies from, whatever it is, your customers. Um, it's every, like the farther and farther I get into life, the more I'm realizing that relationships matter more than the business itself. Um, just because they're not, it's not always necessarily like a monetary trade, but like I, I sort of view relationships as like, how can you build meaningful things with people that maybe 10 years down the line um, can can mean a lot more than they do now? And that just takes time. But like relationships can sort of make or break, right? Like if you have a good relationship with your supplier, do you have a good relationship with your customers? Like relationships are sort of what lay the, the framework for the entire business. And without it, it's very difficult for anything to be carried out on top of that. And so I think like I wish I could tell my 12-year-old self, like spend more time on relationships than you are like focus more on building quality relationships with people than focus on making money. Um, like there's obviously a split cause you can't run a business without making any money. Um, but like, I, I think relationships are very underrated in business. Right. I think, I think that's true for, for anything like marriage, family, like we don't value them enough cause we think, Oh, I'll deal with that later. It's important, but it's not urgent. Exactly. Right. Do you have any mentors? Yeah, I, it's funny that with mentors, I never would say I have like official mentors. Um, I certainly have people who like I look up to for certain aspects of business or life that I can go to with questions. Um, but my biggest mentors, I guess, like whether or not I knew it were my parents growing up, just because like that's who I always ask questions to. And that's that's who would sort of help answer those and guide me in the right direction. Um, and so... I think they're the closest thing I have to mentors, whether or not you can classify that as mentors or Google for God's sake. Um, Google is <laughs> massive mentor. I mean, like I, I it's funny cause my parents, they would used to tell me instead of like answering questions, their whole thing was like, yeah, you just like go Google it. And then if I couldn't Google the answer, then they, they, they would help me. Um, but definitely parents and Google, I think. That's how I learned to fix small engines. 
Really? That's so cool. Yeah. He has his own small engine repair business and, and me and his dad, we don't know anything about small engines. And so we're like, if you want to do that, you're going to have to figure it out. So he did. That's awesome. If a teen hasn't quite figured out what they want to do, what would be some skills that would be good to learn, like coding or graphic design? Yeah, I think the biggest skill you could learn, honestly, is coding, like any level amount of coding. Um, I wish I had learned it when I was even younger than I did, just because what I found is that coding itself may or may not prove useful, um, but everything around us is built by code and structurally built the same way that code is. And so if you're able to fundamentally understand how code works and why it works in the ways that it does, um, it gives you a much deeper understanding of how everything around us sort of interacts, especially as we go more into like the technological phase, like as it gets, as more and more of our lives become technology oriented, it's all run on this language that barely anyone knows. So it's, it's just very interesting to me. Um, and, and I've found a lot of like, deeper understanding in things like even things that have to do with the sock business like how you make a sock code has helped me improve those things and so just having that understanding i I think code is by far the most important thing it sounds like um modern day algebra they always said you're going to use it but we never did (laughs) exactly exactly they said it would help you understand how life works but (laughs) we're not sure Um, (laughs) i hear lots of employers complain about the younger generation and how they have no work ethic do you think that's true of your generation? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if our gener- if my generation doesn't have any work ethic. Like, I certainly have friends who I would consider lazy. Um, but like, I have more friends that I would consider to not have as much of a work ethic. But I, I don't know if it's the work ethic because I think everyone sort of has a work ethic. But I don't know that the incentive is like aligned for them in terms of like they don't see a reason to work hard because. Right. I, I do believe that everybody sort of has that in them to work hard. Like, I don't think people are just naturally lazy. I just think they have to be incentivized correctly. And I'm not sure I know what the correct incentive is. Um, but it's just interesting to see how, like, I've had friends who, like, got extremely good grades in, like, high school, for example, go to college and, like, almost flunk out of college. But it's just, like, the incentive thing was different. They thought grades mattered. And, and that was what they focused on in high school. And then they got to college and didn't care. And so it's their incentives changed. And so it's just interesting to see how that sort of portrays work ethic. Right. So do you think we should um, structure our schools like high school more practical? Let, let's, let's teach them to- coding and let's let them start their own business. You know? Yeah. I've always gone back and forth on this too, because I do in a sense think that the type of person that I am there, I'm in the minority of people where like I found what I was super self-driven about at a young age. Like I, like I said, I think all people have the ability to be self-driven, but they just might not have found what that is yet. Um, and so for the majority of kids that went through school, the, the normal high school, like thing that I went through, I think it's probably good because it does lay a ground front or like a, a, a framework for the stuff that you'll need to go on in life. Like I didn't think I would ever use any of it, but like I do it's general education stuff. Um, and I don't, th- I, I'm not a fan of the school system, but I don't have a better solution to it. But I do think like, so where I went to high school, the big, pu- like we were one of the top schools in the nation actually for pushing STEM, which is like um, science, technology, engineering, and math. And so I did have access to a bunch of coding classes and engineering classes and, and stuff like that, um, more so than most schools in the US do. And so my sort of education was a little bit different in that sense where like I was taking my, like my junior and senior year, half my classes were coding. Um, and that was because that's that's what I wanted. Um, and those were the classes that I chose. Not a lot of people did, but I at least had the option to do that. 
Um, but the same way that like we get exposed and everyone that you have to take your core reading math, science, and um, history, right? Like in my opinion, you should have a code language or an engineering or something like that in there um, more so just to expose people to things they might like. Right. Yeah. How, how do we help people find what they really love if we don't let them try anything? It, no, it's a, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's a very difficult, difficult thing to think about. Cause like, how do you, how do you provide all of these different options? Right. Because it's not yeah. like everyone has access to the same resources either. So how do you provide these resources, make them equally available to everyone um, and, and then get everyone to try all of them? Like that is such a complex equation. Um, yeah. and, and that's why a lot of like my friends that are entrepreneurial, they all share in common the fact that they really pushed to find those resources and things that they may or may not like, but they all tried random things. Like it is the most random collection of things that this, this group of friends that I have has done. Like you'll talk to some of them and a lot of them are like in tech now, but they'll like play three instruments, speak a couple languages. And it's just very bizarre because they tried all these things that they never found passion in. Um, but the thing they all have in common is they finally hit something like, wow, I really like this. And then they kept pursuing down that path. So so do you think their parents had a lot to do with it? Yes and no. In my case, my parents certainly like encouraged me to try new things. Like they like a requirement for both me and my brother was that like we played an instrument before high school. Um, I learned playing an instrument was not my thing. Um, and and for some people, like I, a lot of my friends, it wasn't their parents. Like their parents might not have been that as involved, like hands on in their life as mine were. Um, and, and even so, like mine were very hands off. Like they weren't helicopter parents at all. Um, but like, I, I do think parents play a role in providing the structure for kids to, like, sort of grow up and, and experience things. But there's a very fine line between providing that structure and then pushing it on them. Like, part of this is self-discovery. So, I don't know. I'm also not a parent, so I'm not really qualified <laughs> to say any of that. But that's just my thoughts. Right. So, for, so, from what I'm getting is the main important thing is to be willing to take risks and not to be afraid of failing. 100%. If someone wanted to set themselves apart from the average person or if they're running a business business, how could they do that? Yeah, I think, and this is something I think about before I ever start any, any business is like, you got to think about something like what's your key differentiator? Like why is your stuff any different? Um, and if you don't have a very clear answer to that, that's not to say you can't do it. Um, you certainly can, but like I try to get into things that I have some sort of advantage in. Otherwise, why would I, go into that versus something else. Um, that advantage could literally be you're more passionate about it. But in terms of finding that, um, I think you kind of just have to look at what else is out there that you're competing with. Um, and honestly, this sounds silly, but like even something as simple as writing all this stuff down, you'll find that like, instead of trying to think this all through in your head, um, you'll find some stuff that you'll be like, oh, this is like sort of our unique thing that we're really good at. Um, and, and highlight that versus trying to just do everything, like get really good at one thing. So your hoop swag, one thing would be customization and quick turnaround. Yeah, exactly. There's two. That, those are really actually the two pieces. Most people don't actually ever figure that out. Um, but yeah, it's the quick turnaround is certainly one of them. And, and the customization and the fact that like, I don't have to keep inventory. And if some event happens today, I can have socks up in the site in an hour and they'd be shipping tomorrow. So what do you see in your future, Brennan? What, what do you think... Uh... What's going to be happening there? That's a, that's a great question. Um, 
Oh boy. Um, I, those are actually my least favorite questions. Like the five and 10 year when people are like, what are you going to do in five years? And what are you going to do in 10 years? I, I did, never have answers for. We, we can cut it out if you don't want us to. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. Um, no, like the reason I'm not, I don't like them is because I don't actually have an answer and I wish I kind of did for myself. Um, but cause what I found is like, I switched stuff so fast. So this, I use the sock thing as more of a vehicle to try new things that like it might not be the way to grow the company the fastest, but it's my way of sort of exploring new things. So for example, a couple of years ago, I picked up videography because I had to shoot my own marketing stuff. Um, that turned into a side business where we're literally shooting music videos now for like legitimate uh, music labels. And there's, there's all this weird stuff that I pick up on. Um, and so in, in a year or two, my guess is I will have tried 10 more things that I never thought I would have done. Um, I may or may not like any of them, but it's, it's very possible that I spend my time sort of like bouncing back and forth between new things until I find something that like I'm truly passionate about instead of sticking, like I'm by no means stuck in socks. Like socks are great. They're wonderful. Um, but like if that were to break down, I would be more interested in like the manufacturing process itself rather than the end product of socks, if that makes any sense. Do you see it being as like a temporary fad? So the socks definitely were a temporary fad. I think that fad ended in 2016 or 2017 and sort of what I've had for the past two or three years, like it's by no means as like as hot of a industry as it was back then. Um, but like the reality is people are still always going to need socks. Like that's just a thing. Um, and, and socks are the number one gift item every year during Christmas. And so there will always be this demand for socks, whether or not that's as high. I don't know. But because we can do the customization, we can play into a lot of things. So like we did dogs that you can upload a picture of your dog and it goes on socks. Um, and so just getting more creative in that respect too, there's pretty much endless options. And you do school stuff, right? So that's probably a big part of your... Exactly. Yeah, no, we, we, we launched like fundraising last fall, I believe. And that did really well um, just because it's better than going out there and like selling popcorn or something because that, that's what I grew up doing. And that was sort of the theory behind it. So... There's, there's all sorts of things you can, you can use socks for. Yeah. And, and I saw on one of your, um, when I was looking you up, you did oven mitts for a while that obviously didn't pan out for you. Oh no, no. You'd <laughs> or... be shocked. The oven mitts are doing incredibly well right now, especially during really? Mother's Day. Yeah. They're outselling socks right now, actually. Um, I didn't see it on your site. Is it on your Hoopswag site or on a different site? Those are a different site. That, that's why. Oh, um, those okay. are on a site that are called lit mitts, but I did not. Those are the most ridiculous thing I've ever done. I, I was like, oh, these would be cool for Mother's Day last year. Ordered like a couple thousand and thought I wouldn't sell them. Um, and then we ended up selling out of oven mitts of all things. It's And those are so bizarre to me because like people only go through like three oven mitts in a lifetime. So it's, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, do you think you could ever work for anyone else? Um, I'm not against it. And actually I am working right now on a couple, I, I am working internally at other companies sort of, um, not full time by any means, but like, I don't necessarily do a lot other than, I mean, like I, I still have a lot going on in my life, but I spend a lot of time working cause I genuinely enjoy it. Um, but it's actually, I enjoy working for other people because it like, I've never gotten that experience of like what it's like to work internally somewhere else, um, and understand like what that looks like. And so it's actually been a super cool experience for me. And I've, I've really enjoyed that. Um, but like working full time, probably not, but like, I, I am enjoying getting the experience of working with other people because it's a lot different to be like working towards someone else's goal versus being the visionary and the execution behind it all. It's like a break. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. You don't have to think about like, Oh God, what's going to happen to the company next year, next month. Like it's someone else is just telling what you to do and you execute that. 
yeah, it's good good to have different experiences like that. Um, are you still wanting to go into retail with your socks? So I tried retail actually th- two two years ago during Christmas. Um, the mall near me is like the third most profitable mall in America. And I was like, oh, like this could be a really good option. Like, let's give this a shot. It was a complete train wreck. Um, I don't know if I did something horribly wrong. The mall guy was like, or even the mall was shocked, like how bad we did. Um, so I tried retail in, in that regard. I'm not against going into retail stores. The problem is you just don't make any money on them. And it, it's a volume play where you have to sell like a million units to even become what somewhat profitable. Um, and so that's, I've sort of stayed away from that and just to my own B2C stuff. Yeah. That's cool that you can just pivot whenever you want. Yeah. Just- it's a, it's cool to have the like mobility to do that. Um, cause the other problem is like, once you get locked into retail deals, like if your business now relies on retail, you can't cut that off. And so it's a totally different right. business at that point. So it's a good idea that you, it's a good thing that you didn't do retail first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> is there anything else you would like to add? Um, uh, I don't know. The only other thing is like when I, when I'm back to what I was saying about like the best thing for young people to learn it is coding tactically, but a skill that's not necessarily tactical is like learning how to learn. I figured out that I was super effective learning um, like through YouTube videos and visuals and looking at examples. Some people learn really well through reading. Um, but if you're able to figure that out, you can pretty much teach yourself anything because of the access to the information we have online now. Um, and so like that really is the most valuable skill because it unlocks everything else. Yeah, that's great. Learning how to learn. A lot of people, a lot of kids don't learn how to learn in school. No, no. And that, that's the thing is I actually didn't learn how to learn until I was motivated to learn something on my own because I wanted to learn it faster. Um, and like I went through, it was my freshman year of high school. I'd gone through eight years of school and I hadn't figured it out just because there was no motivation. Like, why would I care to learn faster? I was going to have to sit there one way or another. Um, but as soon as it came down to like something that I wanted to learn, I was like, I want to take this in as fast as I can. I was like, oh, I'm going to figure out how to do that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I've read somewhere that you don't like to read. I, I'm not against reading. I read a lot of <laughs> books. They're just, I, 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 uh, audiobook my books, but, um, I'm not against reading. I just like, don't do well with it. Like I read really slow. I think like, I don't know if I read slow or if I don't retain the information, but, um, I do so much better through like visuals. But you're a good writer. I've read some of your articles over on entrepreneur online Um, you know what's funny those may be some of the hardest things i've ever done like those are i remember i got like i got invited to write on there and i thought it was the coolest thing ever i was like oh how hard can this be right and then i was like wow this is just incredibly difficult and it was nothing that like they taught you in english class like it was a totally different type of writing um but i remember like those things i spent so much time not like i sat down to write them i was like i have no idea how to do this um and I'm still not great at writing them, but the more you write, um, the better, like the easier they get, obviously. Um, but it's just, it was so, that was a big contrast too. Cause that was right when I got out of high school. Um, I was like, oh, I took all these writing classes. I'll be good to go. And I tried to write one of them and I just couldn't do it. Um, so it's fun, like, yeah. They're good. I liked them. Thank you. Thank uh, you. They, they had some good information in there. Um, so where can we find you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram at brennan.agronoff. Um, and if anyone wants to reach me via email, I respond to pretty much all emails. Um, it's just brennanagronoff74 at gmail.com. So. 
Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. We guessed at your email. That's how we found you. Oh, really? <laughs> you, you, I have like 15 emails. That's just like the main one. Um, but if you like, usually Brennan at any of my sites will get to me. So yes, that's what we did. We're like, we're going to guess what his might be. <laughs> that's so funny. We need, we need some guests who have been entrepreneurs as teens. So um, that's funny that you never know. No, if you don't ask. No, it's always worth reaching out. Yeah. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Okay, friends, we're about halfway through our Young Entrepreneur Series. Our Kickstart Your Business contest is still going. So if you're thinking at all about starting a business, now would be the time to do it. We're going to pick up to 10 people to receive $50 to $200 in startup money for their business idea. You may think that's not a lot of money, but we've had several guests on that started with less than that. So if you go to BeDaringLife.com slash contest and sign up, we will email you a list of 75 possible business ideas and a guide on how to write a business plan. To be considered for the contest, you just need to come up with a business idea and complete your business plan. If you have any questions or need any help, we are doing a Zoom call every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central until the contest deadline. If you like our content, please visit our website at BeDaringLife.com or our Facebook page at Be Daring Life. We would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the more visible our podcast is, and the easier it is for people to find us and the great community that we are building. And that's all for today, and remember to go out and be daring.